No matter who you are, things in your life probably aren't going as expected, whatever that means. But the things you are doing right now, no matter what they are, that's your life. It's not a plan B. I'm your host, Madeline Mortensen, and you're listening to This Is Not A Backup Plan. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good morning. Happy June. I hope that your summer is off to a good start. I am so excited because it is library summer reading time and that is my time to shine. I love a summer reading challenge. I love tracking my reading. I love getting prizes. I love getting a free book at the end and I am so excited. So I am having a great summer so far. This week's guest is a, another friend of mine from high school, Lindsay Haslam, and i Lindsay and I chatted about how her relationship with ambition and work and her perspective on what a career and those goals could look like for her has changed over time. I think you're really going to love hearing her thoughts and I am just so excited to share this interview with you. So enjoy. Hello, Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining me. Will you just take a moment to introduce yourself? Yeah, so my name is Lindsay. I was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. I currently live in Salt Lake City, Utah. And I know Maddie from high school, which is super cool. I went to Bingham and Harriman High School. And yeah, I am just a born and raised Utah person. <laughs> Today we are getting here to just chat a little bit about like your like ambition or like career journey, aspirational journey, like however you want to share that. And like to be clear, like for you and for listeners, like when I talk about that, I don't necessarily mean that like it needs to like massively increase and you need to be like climbing a girl boss ladder. That's not all all what I'm talking about. But for women who are raised in Utah, in Mormon culture, like claiming like ambition and desire is really hard. Absolutely. And whether or not you want to climb a girl boss ladder, which like I respect people's right to do, but I do not think should be the end goal for everyone. Claiming ambition and aspiration is really important to living a fulfilling life because you should be able to do the things that you want to do and that feeds your soul. Absolutely. Absolutely. So to start out, will you tell me a little bit about maybe like where you started on that journey for you? Like when you were going through middle school, high school, when you were thinking about the future, kind of how were you feeling and what were some of the things you were thinking might be in the cards for you or feeling like you should be doing? Just to give context, I grew up with divorced parents, at least I got divorced when I was 14. And they were always inactive growing up within the LDS faith, but I was active in the LDS faith. And so I got two different messages, one at home and then one at church. And It's a very long story, which I won't go into, but I villainized my parents quite a bit when I was a teenager because of the messaging that I would receive at church about how you're supposed to live, how you're supposed to be, what your family's supposed to look like. And I felt a lot of resentment, but 
one of the few things that I took from my parents. So like in a sense, I I definitely took their advice and trusted them. And my parents were very adamant that I am never financially dependent on a man. And I know that's not possible for some people. I know that it comes with seasons because maybe you're in grad school and one of you has to work and that kind of a thing. But watching my parents go through a divorce, it was like, okay, I am no exception to divorce. I am no exception to a spouse passing away. I am no exception to like, I need to be able to financially support myself. I also need to be financially, like be able to financially support any children that I have. And it's not as a backup plan, similar to what your podcast is called, but just simply because that's just good, like a good safety net for everybody to have is just being able to have those resources and those opportunities available to you in the best possible way that you can with the cards that you are dealt with as well. I know that sometimes maybe you weren't able to afford college or you grew up in a certain household that you had to help pay bills when you were a teenager. So I know that that looks different, but it was very much like, okay, with the cards that I do have, with the opportunity that I have in the situation that I have right now, how can I make the most of my education, my career, and that kind of a thing? And so I was always going through different education passes. Like maybe I could be a dentist. Maybe I could be a lawyer. Maybe I could be, I was going through things that usually required a lot of schooling. And that's, that's the perspective that I had throughout high school. However, when I went on my mission, I don't know if it was something that I had learned on my mission or something that I conditioned myself to believe. I was like, Hey, I just need to get a bachelor's degree that does enough. And my I think my perspective changed for a little bit. So throughout college, I was I was starting to really challenge my belief system. And I was starting to be like, okay, if I have the freedom to truly live how I want to live, and I don't have to be this mold that a lot of LDS women think that they have to be, if I don't have to fit into that mold, what do I actually want to do with my life? And I was having that perspective as I was getting close to graduating from college. And so the plan was to finish up my degree and I started studying for the LSAT. I was like, I still have some energy. I was like, maybe I should start studying for the LSAT. And everybody who got a bachelor's degree in English, which is what I got, would study for the LSAT. You either get like an MFA or you study for the LSAT. And so I started studying for the LSAT, did not like it. It was not the vibe, not what I wanted to do. And so then I started to go through, okay, like I still have some energy. I know. My plan is to go to school for something else, and I'm not sure what. And so I was going through a whole bunch of different things. And then I had remembered that I took a web design class for my undergraduate degree. I really enjoyed it. I thought I was going to totally hate it, but I enjoyed it a ton. And so then I started to dabble in software development, which is what I'm getting my master's degree in. So anyway, that's a really long story, but it was just like, I, I was raised to be independent. And then I think when I got really absorbed into church culture on my mission, I kind of let that go. And then when I snapped out of my RM lens, then I went back on track and that kind of a thing. I think your point of feeling like I should just get like a bachelor's degree that's like just covers the basic needs. So I have that option is something that 
I know that I thought about and something that I think I observe women in this cultural context thinking about because this feeling that like you should have a degree in case something happens, I think is really common. I think a lot of women believe that. I think a lot of women go to college with that mindset. But I think like you were saying, like you can get to the end of your degree if that's the choice you make and feel like, oh no, like how do I want to work? What do I want to do? Like this degree isn't the right fit for me or isn't going to open the doors I want opened. And that to me seems to be the heart of where some of this problem with women's aspirations and ambitions is lots of women are getting educations, but maybe they're not feeling like the permission to apply that education in the way that they want to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, a lot of the issue is um, when you're younger, you're taught you're going to want to get married and you're going to want to have children. And so you assume that's what your life is going to look like. Like, I think when I was younger, I was like, okay, I'm going to get married at 23, which I did. And then I'm going to have four kids. I'm going to have my first kid at 25, which I didn't, I have no kids right now. And I'm 26. I think so many LDS women to have that perspective of this cookie cutter timeline. And so you see a lot of women get to their 20s and they're like, holy crap, I actually don't know if that's what I want to do. Or they finish their degree and they go, wait, I'm not married yet. Or wait, I don't have kids or I don't want kids. So is this really what I wanted to study? Or is this really the job and career that I wanted to go in? Instead of raising girls to be like, hey, you get an education because you're going to get an education with the context that you're going to be married and have kids. I think that's the incorrect way to raise a child, especially a girl. What I wish would have been different within like church culture is you get an education because you're a child of God and you are deserving of an education and you're deserving of what you want to study and do what you want to do and using your talents. I think the assumption should be that we're not going to get married and that we're not going to have children because those are things that are completely outside of our control. I'm grateful that my parents had that. So I was getting that at home. But it was definitely difficult to believe that at certain times, if I was going to church every Sunday, if I was serving a mission, if I was going to college in Utah County and seeing all of my peers get married at the same time, have kids at the same time. So I wish the default for everybody would be assume you're not going to get married. And if you are going to get married, act as if you're going to get a divorce, you know, like really push that doing what you want, you are deserving of education and also making sure that you're safe as an individual. So I think to your point, there's not a really like in this conversation of what your life is going to look at, not only is there really not consideration for if you don't get married being a part of the conversation, but also what an in-between period between completing your degree and marriage and or children might look like. I knew women, some women that got married a little bit older, but they had still completed the path as accepted. And so there wasn't much of a conversation about that period of time, maybe between graduation when maybe they weren't dating and didn't know what the future was going to be like. And because of the single ward structure, single adults are removed from the church experience. So you don't see people when you're growing up who like are getting married older or not getting married or graduating graduating with degrees, like that's all removed from your church experience and it narrows what you imagine the path to be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So then I would love to hear. So you finished your degree. You're like, I'm really interested in web design. Tell me kind of what you decided to do from that point. What did that look like for you? I was a, a manager over a team of copywriters because again, I got my bachelor's degree in English. 
I was an editor for the church and I thought that was going to be my career. And I pretty quickly discovered that that was not what I wanted to do. <laughs> anyway, so I got a job out of college where I was a manager over these copywriters and we started to implement AI and using artificial intelligence to help complete our work. And it definitely wasn't a replacement for any of you who are afraid that AI is going to take your jobs. It's not at that point. <laughs> so, but we were using AI and I also considered things like computer science to be like, I always labeled myself as not a math person and I put myself in that box. And so anything kind of science related apart from like, you know, I wanted to be a dentist at one point. And so that didn't scare me, but things like computer science was like, that was terrifying for me to like, to think of. And I was like, maybe that's the perfect reason to study something like that because English came natural to me. And that was like my strongest subject. That was my favorite subject in school. I can read fast. I have strong reading comprehension. I'm I'm confident in my writing ability, but computer science was like something that was terrifying. And as my beliefs were changing as well, my religious beliefs, I was kind of like, I haven't really done anything that, besides maybe a mission, but I haven't really done anything that challenges me, that really like exposes my demons and like something that if I were to be on my deathbed that I would be proud of and to say that I did hard things. And so because I enjoyed the detail orientation of editing copy, like editing product descriptions and blogs and stuff like that, it's that exact same detail orientation in computer science and software development. And so I knew that I had that skill, but just the industry itself was terrifying. And so as crazy as that sounds, a lot of it was like, okay, I've dabbled in web design a little bit. So I understand the coding aspect. Computer science sounds terrifying, but let's do it anyway. So then tell me a little bit about, so is the program you're doing, is it a master's program? What is it? Yeah. So it's a master's program. I actually okay. started at Pace University, which is in New York and you could do it online, but I recently just got accepted into the U. So I'm going to be transferring so that I'm in person. So I'll be attending the University of Utah and getting my master's there. So. That's so cool. So tell me then about switching to a master's that really in so many ways was just completely different than anything you'd done before in your educational career. Yeah. Like that's hard to do as an adult to yeah. say, I'm going to be a beginner and I'm going to do as a master's student, something that's different than anything I've done before. Yeah. So I think people would be really surprised at how many programs out there will accept people who have unrelated undergraduate degrees. Computer science, I think a few universities were, not a few, most universities were pretty snobby in a sense that like they would not accept people who weren't either like a electrical engineer undergrad or a computer science undergrad. And so there were a lot. I like the reason why I discovered this is because my husband was interviewing at different companies. And so I was like, okay, if we move to California, what university would accept me? And there's the University of San Francisco, who takes people who don't have computer science related undergraduate degrees. There's Pace University that's in New York City. Uh, the University of Utah has a software development master's degree. And so there were a few, there were like a few universities that would take you right off the bat. And then there are some that are like, hey, if you complete a few courses, then we'll accept you and you can be in our master's program. For people who are looking to switch, there are 
I, and I think it depends on the industry and stuff like that, but there are universities that will take people who don't have a related undergrad. And you do have to be careful that like, they're not accepting you for your money and just like tossing you out into the wolves. But there's also universities that are like, okay, we understand that you do not have a related undergrad and we're going to prep you for it. So there are programs like that. So if anybody feels like they've graduated and they're like, actually, I want to do something else or I want to combine my skills, which is what I wanted to do. I still want to be able to use my English degree in some way. Maybe I do AI or something like that. But anyway, so there are programs out there for people and it's really intimidating. But if you do your research and just make sure that you will be taken care of, it's totally doable. So tell me so far, what have been some of your favorite parts of this experience that have maybe, I guess, do you have favorite parts? What have been some yeah. of the highlights of the experience? I'm like, are I am going to okay? ask you about things that have been hard because I know master's programs are hard, but I thought we'd start on the upbeat note. Yeah, for sure. Some of the things that I've really enjoyed, I think, have just been after the big struggle being like, okay, I actually can do this for context last semester. So at Pace University, I was the only English undergraduate and everyone else was a computer science undergrad. One of the classes I was taking last semester was extremely difficult and I was spending so many hours and I hired a tutor and everything like that. And I thought I was just absolutely failing. And we took our midterm and I got like a 50%, not great. And I was like, I'm over, like I'm done for. And we had a meeting, like a Zoom call with my professor and my classmates. And he was like, the average class score was a 30%. I was like, what? And he said that if you got a 50% or higher, you're in the top 15 of the class. And I was like, what? Like, I'm the English major of the class and I made the top 15. And that was like, I just went into the program knowing that I was going to take double the amount of time, that I was probably going to have to hire tutors. One of the perks about being online was that I didn't have to interact with my colleagues because I think comparison is hard for everybody, but especially when you're learning something completely new and you feel like the new kid and you feel stupid, it's super easy to look at your peers and be like, okay, I'm really behind. So being online was like, one of the perks, and there's a lot of downsides too, but one of the perks was like, hey, I, it's a lot harder for me to compare myself because I don't see them in class. I don't hear them answering questions or anything like that. I think because I didn't compare myself to my colleagues, I was just comparing myself to how I was doing. That was a really cool experience was just to like, if I truly just compare myself, I do a whole lot better than if I am comparing myself to the people around me and set potentially a bar that's lower than I think it is. So it's really cool just to like, remember, especially when you're coming into a situation with such a different skill set that your path and through the situation is just going to look different. What do you feel yeah. have been some of the hardest things about your master's program and about deciding to take this path? I think along the same lines is just you're learning something totally different. And I don't know, if how often you've been the new person at a job but that's one of my least favorite feelings in the world is feeling stupid <laughs> and like i have always just done things that i'm good at and that's just how the world 
And like, it's total, and that's not a bad thing either to do things that you're good at, like major in the thing that you're good at, pursue the career that you're good at. That's not a bad thing at all. Um, and that's what I was doing for a little bit. And then when I switched and did something that like, I purposely did something that I knew I'm not good at, like that you have to confront so many things about yourself during that process of like, I would always pride myself on, hey, I have high grades. I'm a good student. And then you switch over to something you're not good at. And you're like, holy crap, am I going to pass this class? And it makes you like, do I need to call my parents and ask them, have I been stupid my whole life? And you just told me that I was smart to make me feel better. <laughs> it's just like, you you start to notice that like I tied my identity to my grades, which isn't great. I tied my identity to how I perform, like my self-worth depends on how good I am at something or how easy something comes to me. And so there's been a lot of blows to my self-esteem and just having to relearn that like, this is still a hard subject and I can still be smart and still not do well, or I can be still perfectly capable of passing this class. And it's just, it's just different. And so you're having to relearn and, un- and unlearn things about yourself and your beliefs about metrics to score your intelligence. And so I think that's probably been the hardest is all the unlearning about my self-worth <laughs> that I've had to do. That's huge. That is a huge thing to work through and not a, not an undertaking for the faint of heart. Yeah, for sure. And I did one like to make things worse. I didn't do sports. My two siblings were incredible and are incredible athletes. And so like my parents would always say like, oh, this is Josh. He's our swimmer. This is Haley. She's our tennis and soccer player. Then they'd go to me and like, Lindsay, she does school. Like she's our smart school person or whatever. (laughs) And so then I'm like, okay, I'll just cling on to that. I'm the smart, good at school person. And then I start to study something that is not my forte, is not something that is easy for me. And now I'm like, this is my whole identity. This is how I grew up. And it's just, it's shattering and falling to the ground. (laughs) It's just like, I have to still talk to myself and like, I'm still a smart person and I'm still capable. It's just smart people can still struggle with things and that's okay. Yeah. It's been huge for me to try and get over. (laughs) So how has going through this program and acquiring these skills influenced your thoughts on like your career path? Are there certain jobs that like you're interested in because of it? Or even if it's not like a specific thing, like a job, has it influenced what you feel like you can do moving forward? Yeah, so I'm still not 100% sure what I want to do. I do think I want to be a software engineer. I would love to have a remote job. And a lot of those software engineer positions are remote. And I worked remote when I was the copywriting manager that I was talking about. And work being able to work remote offers so much flexibility of where you live. If your partner has dreams that they want to chase and they want to get a job somewhere totally different and you're okay to move. If you're in a partnership, remote work is the future of keeping things equal and balanced between each other so that you can you have that flexibility so that both of you can chase your dreams. And so having that remote work, it sounds great to me. I also would love to own a business and be the best manager or boss that someone has ever had. Like I I frequently fantasize about having a glamorous 
pink office when I have my my girl software engineers and they have affordable daycare, they have great maternity leave, they have all the resources that they need in order to be both a parent and a career woman. And so that's also my vision. And also, sorry, I have another vision is to just be an adjunct professor, maybe like a part-time, maybe only teaching one class while I have a job somewhere else, just so that I can influence girls to be into this type of field. And I think more women are joining STEM, but I feel like the state of Utah and the regions that have high demand religions, it's very slow trickling into that. And so anyway, that's, I have a lot of different things. I just want, I just want to help girls and like <laughs> the broad, it's just like the broad goal of what I want to do. Oh, I love that. Tell me then how your perspective on like ambition and maybe like aspiration has changed. What are your feelings and how those fit into your life and how you relate to your own ambition? I think ambition looks different for every girl. Part of me has also become very weary of, and this is sad. This is a, this is not because I am in, like encouraging it or for it, but I feel like in the current climate of the United States, women have to be really smart about what they study or what they choose to work for or what they choose to do as a career. Or maybe not necessarily that, but maybe like in investing in real estate or stocks or create, or I don't know, just with the current climate of the United States, it's really hard to be able to be an aspiring woman and have children. And I wish it was better and I wish it wasn't that way. But women do have to be a little bit more conscious of if I'm going to have a career, I need to make sure I make X amount of money so that I can afford daycare or so that. If I get divorced and I ended up having four kids, I'm going to be perfectly fine. And if I'm in an abusive situation, there's nothing stopping me from leaving because I have the resources that I need. And so I think I wish I like, I do think that women can do whatever they want to do. I also think, especially women in high demand religions, need to be a little bit more financially smart just so that they can. So that they sometimes you have to have the finances to chase your goals. Or sometimes you have to have the education to chase your goals. And so there's so many different directions that you can go in to fulfill yourself and to chase those ambitions and to do those fun things that give you joy. It's just a matter of like, how do I get those resources to do those things? And so figuring out that plan, I think is I I've my perspective has changed on how to go about those things. There's so many different things you can do to support yourself and to keep yourself safe. So this is just not a situation that can be girl bossed its way out of. I think that you bring up a really good point and I struggle because I want like women to do whatever they want to do. And I recognize that with lack of social safety net and with like lack of support that like you said, like your choices do have to be calculated. You do have to be smart and you do have to think your way through. And it isn't to say you can't dream your dreams, but just realizing that like there are forces working against you that you have to navigate. So if the path isn't going the way you want to, if you can't do everything you want to do, like really not your fault. Like often yeah. you're dealing with a very uneven playing field that expects a lot of you, that expects you to be the social safety net for the country rather than providing you a social safety net. And I like I look forward to the day when maternity leave is actually sufficient 
for uh, those who choose to have children, maternity and paternity leave. And like, I hope gender roles and the perception of gender in religion changes. I don't think that's going to be happening in my lifetime. And that's honestly, that's one of the reasons that drove me to that drove me to getting a master's degree was like, wow, this isn't changing like this. I had this like peak of a few years of, okay, I'm going to change the culture and I'm going to, I'm going to inspire change in the church. And while I do think maybe that happened on a small local scale, in order for it to be significant to really change, I don't think that's going to happen until I'm like 50 or I shouldn't even plan on it changing because it might never change. And how do I, so what can I do within my own control to change those things? And I can go study something that's totally male dominated or I can. And so it's just recognizing that maternity and paternity benefits in the country might not ever change or gender roles in a church might not ever change. Knowing that it's not going to change, how are you going to live differently? What are you going to like? What is the calculated steps that you're going to take to make sure that you are fulfilled and happy and safe and healthy? I love your dream of your like pink software company where there's adequate maternity leave and people have what they need. Like that, I think is beautiful. Let's achieve success so that we can create situations where people's needs are met and people can work less, right? Let's succeed these things so that we don't have to keep trying so hard and that we can help others have a break. And I think too, if I can't change the laws, I can at least own my own company, (laughs) have my own policies and now everybody wants to work for me and other companies are like what are you doing that makes what make what are you doing that's getting you the top talent or the top product and it's like i'm treating my employees correctly like i'm treating them so that they have everything that they need to be happy healthy and safe and so i feel like that's one way and changing the laws like i think if you have expertise or like an in there that's also great. And there's so many different ways to influence the world and change the world. But for me, it was okay. I'm going to assume that none of this changes. But what I can do is let's say I have five employees, I can make life easier for five people or something like that. And if I want to do that, I do have to be successful in school or I have to be successful in a career before I can own a business. And so it's that's very calculated. But that's basically what I'm going at is you do have to take those calculated steps. Love that. You know what? And then when the legislature is considering passing a policy in the future, you can come and testify and say, hey, this is what we do at my small business. And this is why it works. There's a lot of ways to influence policy and to influence culture. And I really like that you have a perspective of this is what I could be good at. So this is what I'm going to try to be good at. There's a lot of different ways to make it better and to set an example and to create a template because there's a lot of things that are just bigger than us that like we can't just fix. Yeah. For sure. Is there anything else you want to share, Lindsay? Anything else that's come to mind that you haven't had a chance to share? No, I just, I think my biggest thing or message, if I could give a message out into the world for women, is just like viewing your education and your career as a backup plan is fine, but it's it's downgrading yourself in a sense. Like, Yes, that can be one of the reasons why you have a career in education. But first and foremost, get an education, whatever that looks like, and a career, whatever that looks like, because you are you have worth and you like get it for yourself first and foremost. And knowing that your education is yours only and your career is yours only, 
what would you do? Would you actually study what you are studying or have studied? Let's say you don't get married and let's say you don't have kids and you are just living your life by yourself on your own. What would that actually look like? And I feel like a lot of LDS women and just maybe women in high demand religions in general haven't had the opportunity or the permission to really sit and think about that and and to really consider themselves just worthy of an education and not just because they're a backup plan or whatever. So I think that's, I love that your podcast theme is along those lines. And just because I don't think, I don't know, I don't think women have ever taken the time to really just be like, my education is for me, or my aspirations are for me and me, me only. And if I end up getting married and having kids, great. But if not, what do I do? What, am, what do I want to do? And I think that's really cool. For a lot of women, doing that feels like the first step to veering off the straight and narrow path. I think mm-hmm. for me, I didn't take my aspirations seriously. I didn't consider these things because I was a good girl and I was going to do what I was supposed yeah. to do. And like, I wanted to be a good girl more than I wanted to be anything else. I wanted to be good. And so I couldn't, Absolutely. I couldn't imagine that for myself. Giving myself the permission to do that has been like wonderful and liberating to take myself seriously. Absolutely. And I was watching, so I'm a huge Oprah Winfrey fan. (laughs) And I was watching one of her episodes from the Oprah Winfrey show. And we were talking about, we, as if I was there, she was talking about, she had somebody who had gone through something. I don't remember what it was. I don't remember what the problem or the victim or what was going on. But there was a generational cycle and this woman's self-esteem was really low. I think if I'm remembering correctly, it might have been like she was addicted to plastic surgery or she, I don't remember. I don't remember what it was, but the woman was talking about how her mom had self-esteem issues and felt very unfulfilled and that affected the mom's mental health, which then affected her kids. And Oprah Winfrey asked the audience and they said, how many of you feel like your life would have been a whole lot more different? if your mom took the time to fulfill herself and everybody raised their hand. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I would, I think I want kids. I don't know for sure, but if I do, I want to be in the best mental state that I can, because you can cause a lot of generational trauma from unhealed wounds or for being resentful or that kind of a thing. And so I was like, man, If I have to wait until I'm 30 or 35 to really solidify like a job or an education or something like that so that I feel good, like that, that can end generational cycles of even like as much as abuse or even it's just, it was wild. And I just had a epiphany that a lot of women think that they have to give up a lot of things so that their kids are happy. But if you're not happy, your kids aren't going to be happy. And so I think that's huge. There's a lot of self-sacrifice narrative in high demand religions when that is not necessary at all. Thank you so much for joining me. Do you want to tell people where they can find you on social media? Yeah, I think. Let's see. What is my Instagram handle? It's just Lindsay Haslam with a dot with a period in between Lindsay and Haslam. So, yeah, that's me. Yay. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I really appreciate you joining me. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. 
Thank you so much to Lindsay for your time and thank you so much to you for listening. I am so glad you are here. If you are enjoying this podcast, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. It really helps with people finding the podcast. Please follow it on those platforms as well or wherever you're listening. You can find this podcast on social media, on Instagram at not a backup plan. You can find me on Twitter at Madeline K. You can also email me madelinek at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts and if you had any ideas, suggestions. I'll be back in your feed in two weeks with a, another great interview. And in the meantime, remember this is your life. It's not a plan B. Bye.